I just have one thing to say. Hang on a second. Yeah, all right. You are such a hit, mamacita. Muy bien. Yay, yay, yay. What's you that? are muy frío. Muy caliente. Ay, 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 ay. How un-PC was that Joe Biden thing? What Don't you think that was almost like that pan, That went from pandering to just almost like, I don't know, racist? I don't know. Um, you know, when you're majorly down in the polls with one of the core constituencies of the Democratic Party, I guess you are desperate to do whatever your handlers tell you to do to. Yeah. It's so it's so weird. It's because he just he's like, oh, I just have one thing to say. <laughs> Hold on a second. You know, they like <clears throat> virtually glued his finger to the phone button, the right phone button. Can you imagine that he managed to press that? How big do you think the font is on his phone? It's like, not big you know, enough. you can. <laughs> well, he's always. um. He's always squinting at the teleprompter. So, you know, um, I'm not sure. Maybe his phone is like set up for like a Mr. Magoo, you know, where the letters are super big. But he probably know. has one of those. What were those cell phones that you got your great grandpa like when they oh, first came yes, out? The jitterbug. The j- <laughs> I wanted to get one for my mom because it has like two buttons, which is like call home and call the police. Like just two big buttons. You know, none of this Android yep. stuff or iPhone, just one, two buttons, home, police. <laughs> so when my daughters, my teenagers, well, with even lip smaller, were get in trouble, um, we would take their cell phones and substitute it with a jitterbug so they could only, like, call us. Two people. Like, the house was burning down or something. I think yeah. that might be the cell phone <laughs> that Joe Biden has. But I don't know. Do you think he's going to um, pick up some votes? For his uh, pandering. Oh, I'm sure that totally convinced all of the, you know, South Americans and Cubans and Central America, you know, in Florida who are fleeing his campaign and the Democratic Party in general. Uh, I'm sure that will, you know, because they're really just they're stupid people. Right. So that will work. Right. If you play the right song, they're going to vote for you, obviously, because they're simpletons. and um. You know, that's that's what that's what moves them. Remember when Trump did the taco bowl for. um, Oh, and that was like Cinco de Mayo. It was him at his desk and he was like, happy Cinco de Mayo. Trump Tower has the best taco bowls in New York. I was like, (laughs) I love it. But the media went insane, right? Like, oh, how can you demean Cinco de Mayo with this? They went nuts. They were like, oh, that is so racist. And, you know, then some of them talked about how taco bowls weren't really Mexican and that, you know, that it was just like an Americanization of Mexican cuisine. You know, we went into all the flexing, um, the cultural flexing from the checkmark crew. But but, you know, that was actually one of the highlights of Joe Biden's week, um, because it was so filled with so many 
what moments and gaffes and embarrassing, like beyond cringeworthy ramblings that that actually uh, that that was a high point for him. Well, any time that they're doing something where he's not speaking is probably in their interest. Right. So if he's playing a song, then he's not speaking, which and when he speaks, that increases the likelihood that there's going to be something people are going to have to apologize for later. <laughs> so so let's get into a little bit of now. This is probably Biden's most active week that he's had in, <laughs> say, seven or eight months. Um, huh? He he went to Florida because he's cratering there. Thanks to support for Trump by the Hispanic Latino community constituencies there. So he actually had to leave, you know, the Northeast where he's been hibernating, went to Florida, um, gave his little spiel, and then allegedly took questions from the press. Um, And then he's had a few other events this week, but they were, I mean, the Trump campaign is going to be very busy culling out, and they already are, a series, maybe hundreds just from this week of embarrassing comments by the Democratic presidential candidate. Yeah, well, I've only caught a couple, but I know that every time he's in an event or opens his mouth that he has an episode or whatever you want to call it um, to make you just make a whole commercial. Um, And I know people say, well, Joe, Joe, people will say Joe Biden stutters, you know, that he's a stutterer. And it's like, no, this isn't stuttering. This is like somebody who is confused, which is not the same thing. I know a lot of people who are not confused and stutter and they don't sound like this. They stutter. They don't. uh, That's not stuttering. That's confusion. Yes. Do we have the clip of his one of his weirdest comments? Yes. Now, if we were watching this and you and I were watching this in real time and this was just a rambling kind of roundtable with Hispanic uh, voters and business owners, et cetera. I think he was at a community college. So he would just go on these riffs about I don't know what while he's messing with his mask. You know how like when a baby is tired, it rubs its ear. (laughs) That's all I kept thinking. I was like, this reminds me of my girls when they were little and they're like rubbing their ear with like one eye closed trying to stay awake. That's really what he was doing at this so-called round table, which was a horseshoe, actually. But um, he made some really bizarro comments. And I think we have a clip of one that was making the rounds. Yes, here we go. Because if you could take care if you were a quartermaster... You can sure in hell take care of running a, you know, a department store uh, thing, you know, where in the second floor of the ladies department or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that I know what you mean, Joe, because I know exactly what you mean. I mean, really. What? Julie, what? how are they going to put this guy on a debate stage? How are they going to put him? Because usually he's so choreographed there they have a teleprompter they won't deny he's using a teleprompter when asked and if you are not using a teleprompter and someone asks you you'd immediately say absolutely not we're not 
But if you don't want to answer the question, it means you are, right? That's the only answer you wouldn't want people to know is that you are. So he always has a teleprompter. And when you go to a debate or like an earpiece, someone talking into his ear, how are you going to put him on the stage with Donald Trump, who is a throat puncher, Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have a teleprompter and it's late at night, right? When he's sundowning, what, how is this, how is, how's it going to happen? Well, let's talk about your quote unquote conspiracy theory about what, which is very legitimate. We're, we're saying that in jest about how Biden, the debate now is 10 days away, how Joe Biden, particularly given his performances this week is going to ever be able to share a debate stage with Trump. So why don't you get into your piece this week that was really compelling and I think got a lot of people's attention about, you know, he can't come out with, I have COVID because everyone's predicting that. It's got to be something more sinister. So yeah, yeah I, I don't, I, I don't know how they can get Biden out of the debates without a severe cost to it. If if Biden just comes out and says, I'm not debating Trump's a liar. And we've seen that balloon floated mm-hmm. by I think David Axelrod was one and then Pelosi, um, which that was a balloon to see if people ever if everyone got on board with it. They can't do that. It looks suspicious because at this point in the campaign, because we're such a partisan uh country partisan with partisan voters we're really only talking about a small number of people that need to move to decide the election maybe five to ten percent those people are not politically engaged they're not politically active so they they're going to watch the debates a lot of people watch the debates to to get a sense of what's going on we see movement in after after some of the debates so if biden doesn't show up that looks really bad on him but then they also can't say he's sick because he is sick. And to say he's actually sicker is, you know, he doesn't look good. He doesn't he he is sleepy. You know, Trump is very peppy and energetic for his age. Even if you hate him, you know, Trump's on. The, he's on the move. Oh, he's, God. Yeah. He is moving around. He's going places. He's doing things going. He's like two or three campaign stops today. Biden just doesn't seem like that. So to come out and be like, oh, he's he's a covid. That is also not good. That makes him look frail. And it does it doesn't it doesn't create confidence. So I'm thinking that the Democrats have something that they're going to spring that's going to damage Trump that will make it still, even if Biden doesn't debate, better to vote for Biden. And this last couple of days. I'm almost finished with Lee Smith's book, his great book, The mm-hmm. Permanent Coup. And just rereading through all the details that I know that you know about the whole Russia collusion hoax, all the details, all the moving parts. It's so obvious to me. These people are not just going to let it naturally happen as it would happen, the election. They've got to be scheming. They've got to be scheming. And I think they have something on Trump and it doesn't have to be true. They have the support mechanism to have something make an impact for just long enough to affect the election. All of their, um, you know, attempts at Trump, the impeachment, 
the Ukraine phone call, the uh, obstruction of justice, Russia collusion, all that garbage, the emoluments, the Logan Act, the Hatch Act, all the stupid shit that they're constantly throwing up. It sticks for a day or two, and the, or depending on how serious it is, the Russia hoax lasted much longer than it should have before people figure it out and then it just goes away. Like no one's talking about the generals now. Remember when Trump hated amputees and he hates the military? Uh, that was like 48 hours, 72 max. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, a more serious one, it takes people, w- Republicans are always on defensive, to fig- scramble around and figure out what's the truth behind it. But, you know, they can pull something out like that just enough for them to damage Trump for the election. So that's my theory, is that, uh, because, Julie, how are they going to put him up on stage? <clears throat> I I mean, well, first of all, they're going to infuse him with whatever ADD meds or stimulants they've been putting into his veins. I mean, he was an hour and a half late for his event on Wednesday, claiming that he was talking to scientists about COVID. No, he was no probably really getting knew. some kind of drip or they were probably doing that for thing. Sure. When someone has a heart attack and they take that syringe and like plunge it into your heart. And like, what is that? What is it? And what is it uh, morphine or something oh i think that's a pain i i know what you're talking about but yeah, I, I don't know whatever that thing is they're probably doing that so they were getting him all jacked up for an hour and a half before he went out and ta- rambled for 25 minutes about a vaccine and how we shouldn't trust a vaccine and a vaccine should not go to people based on their tax returns and like some ridiculous and then he walked off well, no he first got a pre produced list of reporters where they were sitting and very clearly what their question was going to be, what they were asking. So he kind of stumbled around that and then wandered off. But um, no, it's it's just unfathomable that Joe Biden would be able to manage even a five minute debate with Trump, let alone two hours. It's just it's not going to happen. What's curious is I I watched that presser and I or fake press conference, because it's not really a press conference. Um, I listened to the fake press conference and I um, listened to his answers. And, you know, one of his thing that one of the Biden campaign's big thing that they focus grouped is the way that Trump handled the coronavirus. They've been able to really exploit that. And so one of the reporters, I guess, kind of pushed him, not really, but kind of. And he basically admitted that he can't, he keeps talking about a, some kind of national mask mandate. Mm-hmm. That is not legal. You know, they you cannot have the president come out and force a national mask mandate mandate on people. And they, Biden keeps saying it, and the media, the little harpies that follow him around and prop up all his crap, keep pretending that this is something that could be done, but Trump has chosen not to do it. it there's no legal basis for the president to force everyone to wear a mask. And, you know, he said his scientists and his lawyers, whoever those people are, you know, they're looking into it. If he tries to do that, you don't think that um, that the governor of North of um, Texas, you don't think Abbott, you don't think all these Republican governors are going to tell him to go get fucked and take him to court. Well, that sounds nice, Liz. But come on. You know that that's not true. Greg Abbott, they will. will all cave. Probably. uh Kristen Noem will Christy not. Christy Noem won't cave. Christy, probably um, uh, Brian Kemp in Georgia, Ron DeSantis, who realizes the catastrophic consequences of the lockdowns. He probably won't. But you know the rest of them will go along. Oh, yeah, they but will. 
But for him to stand up there yesterday and say that his lawyers probably, I don't know, John Podesta, Hillary Andrew Clinton, Wa- 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 Weissman, Kamala, <laughs> Sally Yates told him that it, he could sign an executive order issuing a nationwide mask mandate. This at the same time when, just a quick side note, we are learning more and more information about how um, inf- about how these governors and mayors buried information. We just had something come out about the bars in Nashville. So we're starting to learn more and more. People are starting to realize these lockdowns were wrong. Bill Barr talked about it yesterday. We can get into that later. But, um, you know, and then for for Biden to try to defend, he lies that he was like ahead of the curve on masks and social distancing and vaccines and you name it. And of course, we have a long record. The guy didn't like his pal Obama no. led from behind. He was he didn't do any of this. He did none no. of it. So, um, yeah, so uh, I'm not sure how he thinks that a national mask mandate is a winning proposition, except for like the Caitlin Collinses of the world, you know, that little twerp who's, you know, in the front row of the he, White House. He's, press he's trying to nail down that Karen niche, right? That Karen <laughs> voter. That's what he's um I actually called the CNN the Karen Network, like in a, a couple of days ago, and I was writing about them. Um, I can't remember what they were, what they uh, were squ- squawking about, but they're totally—that's what they are. Um, oh yeah, do. it was after right. So we can move on to our next topic, which is this great Middle East, um, not peace accord, I guess, because it's not—it wasn't a peace accord. I'm hearing from CNN, but their big takeaway was that some of the people at the event did not have masks on. Right. That's all they have. That's all they've got. Um, So let's talk a little bit about back to Biden really quick. Biden's problems, too, are going to get worse because it appears like Senator Ron Johnson, who's the head of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, who's been investigating Biden and Burisma, Ukraine, et cetera. He's now threatening, uh, apparently he's going to release a report, I'm thinking it is going to be next week, um, about what he called, we're going to learn a whole lot more of Vice President Biden's unfitness for office. So this would be his son's shady ties to Ukraine, where he acted not as a board member for Burisma, but a lobbyist uh, working with a PR firm who was lobbying the State Department on behalf of Burisma, which was in trouble all over the world for a variety of of crimes. So we're going to hear more about that. But you also there's also a report out about a phone call between Joe Biden and the former Ukrainian president after the 2016 election, uh, where Biden basically, you know, refuses to cooperate with Trump's transition team and is like wink winking at the Ukrainians that Biden somehow is still going to be in charge. Yeah. Well, I read the transcript of that call and um, it's very interesting to see because the Ukraine is basically a hub of corruption. And that is where all of uh, a lot of the deep state the derp state, as I call them, in the State Department, in the military brass, uh, in the Defense Department, they funnel all their crap through the Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? That's why there's always all these revolutions, because, you know, you have in some 
you have some state department approved person taking over and then the people revolt against that and then it happens over and over again. So the Ukraine is like a giant hub of corruption. It's probably one of the most corrupt countries on the planet. Um, And of course, it makes perfect sense uh, that Biden is so close and that at no point did anyone around Biden say it really doesn't look good if your son is on the board of this company in the most corrupt nation and he's making $80,000 a month. Right. And he's lobbying John Kerry's State Department, throwing daddy's name around to get these secure these meetings with top State Department officials on Burisma's behalf. So, you know, it's funny you talk about, we hear all of this about the foreign violations of the Foreign Registration Act and how all of Trump's people, you know, Mike Flynn or whoever, or Paul Manafort were violating it. But this is really was a major problem, corruption scandal in the Obama-Biden administration that goes right to the vice president. So uh, we'll be interested to see. I wish Johnson would hurry up with this, but maybe the timing will be great. It would be nice to see Republicans play hardball, release this stuff right before the scheduled debate. Um, Well, it'll just be, you know, but it'll be ignored. That's, that's my, that's kind of my attitude towards this. No matter what comes out, let's say Durham says, okay, uh, next Monday, I'm going to come out. I'm going to talk about all the people that are, you know, that we're going to arrest now or whatever charges, whatever they, the media will just ignore it. And it'll be like, it never happened. Just like you hear people talk about the Russia hoax, still not realizing that the Mueller report did not find any, you know, any relationship between the Trump campaign and the Russians. So I, I don't know what Johnson's going to, put out but why do you think that it would be presented to the public and then and then discussed or defended or supported you know what I mean it's just it'll just be buried well it probably will be except for the fact that Trump and his campaign will have more fodder to just go above the media and get this information out there I mean there's To say that the Senate Republicans have messed this up is an understatement. It's being kind about their not even incompetence, their complicity. You even had Mitt Romney come out this week and publicly condemn Ron Johnson for this investigation, saying, you know, it's politicized. Nothing that the government should be doing. Hello, check your constitution, Mitt Romney. That's like sort of why you're there. You know, checks and balances, dude. Have you heard about that? But um, he, because, of course, he has an advisor who served on Burisma's board at the same time that Hunter Biden did. So he's protecting himself as well. (laughs) So they've messed this up. Lindsey Graham, useless. He's now um, said that Jim Comey is going to testify the end of September. What, what, like, boring. Come on. I mean, for what? For, you know what I mean? What, what at this point, what, you know? Well, all it signals to me, Liz, is that Durham has nothing. If uh, Graham is subpoenaing and now Ron Johnson is going to subpoena Andrew McCabe, et cetera, it's so far gone. People have, I, I mean, I can barely stay interested in it anymore, to be honest, because what what has this gotten us? Nothing. Well, it, it's gotten us nothing. And I think you're right. Um, why do you think it it signals that? They, he has nothing. 
Why do you think Durham has nothing? Why would they all of a sudden now, if Durham was going to charge any of these people? Well, I guess they wouldn't give anything away. I feel like if anyone would know, I don't know, that's just me being justifiably overly skeptical about this whole process now. Why is Ron Johnson going to issue subpoenas now? It's for what? The public has completely lost interest even, I mean, Trump's base now realizes this is going to be a major defeat. Um, and, you know, Bill Barr is great, and he's got a lot of things on his plate. But when he talks about seditious behavior or conspiracies to overthrow the government, what the hell does he think these, I mean, this is exactly what these people were doing. This is what Comey and Brennan McCabe struck that's what they were doing. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. That's actually a statute. They were attempting to overthrow the government. So I'm not worried about a loser in Portland or Seattle who's trying to destroy a federal courthouse. We have people who have attempted this and complete not only gotten away with it, gotten rich off of it. Well, I'm going to kind of defend Barr on this, even though. Well, okay, so I'm going to first I'm going to defend Barr on this and then I'm going to elaborate on what Liz thinks. Like, so I think that because of the people involved and how smart they were and that they were part of the system, they were probably very good at making sure there was no um, that they colored just inside the lines technically. So when Barr when Barr came in and then he has Durham, they're trying to do this on the up and up, right? They're like, well, do we have enough to prosecute? Or, you know, is there evidence of this? They're trying to be, to, to do things the way it should be done. And, and because of that, these people were very careful. They were not, um, you know, doing anything. They, they, Obviously, all the phones on the Mueller team were erased. I mean, they're not stupid. So I think as far as bringing a case forward, an actual case, Barr wants to bring an actual case forward, whereas the Obama Justice Department wanted to terrorize people and punish them. And Barr isn't going to do that, even though I, I kind of wish he would. I mean, yeah. you know, why, why not? bring charges against these people, ruin their lives, go through their financial record. I mean, but that's, he's not going to do that because that's not the kind of person he is. But, and so it's at a disadvantage. No, it is. And, and you're right. And I guess that's the frustrating part is that we continue to play by the rules, the norms, you know, all the things that they accuse Trump of violating. We actually, for the most part, play by the rules when the other side doesn't. So, I mean, Robert Mueller brought how many charges against people under that sketchy statute conspiracy to defraud the United States? I think Rick Gates was charged with it. I think there was one more. I mean, that would be a no brainer for every single one of these people, aside from the fact that they intentionally misled under penalty of perjury, a secret court, the FISA court. We know now that those visas were illegal. They've been deemed illegal. Comey was caught mishandling, I mean, mishandling classified documents that were her own quote unquote memos. There have been plenty of there's plenty of evidence 
it actually at this point looks like Michael Horowitz has come up with more charges against these people than anyone else in the Justice Department, which is frustrating. And they declined to prosecute. But we know these crimes exist. So I'll but I'll defer to you. I think Barr is very careful. I'm sure Durham is, too. So they probably want an airtight case against these people if I mean, there's one to be at, had. Just look at the way the Mike Flynn case is being treated. That, you know, Barr had someone outside D.C., outside the Beltway. I think it was a St. Louis um, AUSA or the whatever that area is, review the case and say, look, there's really nothing here. We want to drop charges. And in order to just keep fucking Mike Flynn and keep him, you know, there all of a sudden we have this wacko judge who's like, I'm not letting you drop charges. <laughs> you know, look at the lengths to which they will go to to right. pervert the system and abuse the system to execute their political vengeance. And we don't see that. You know, Bard isn't doesn't do that. So, yeah, we're we're at a disadvantage, um, you know, and then move. We can move on to Barr now and Barr's speech and some of the mm-hmm. stuff that has come out about Bill Barr in the last couple of days, which is that Bill Barr wants to charge these protesters with sedition. Well, yes, he should. And of course, everybody's. Everybody, meaning the cathedral, right? The blue check marks, the CNNers, all the, um, you know, the ACLU, the lawfare blog people, they're all freaked out. Like, this is terrible. But you know what? They are sedition. They should be charged with it. You know, what do you think, Julie? Well, absolutely. And I think part of what he is prepping the groundwork for, not just the rioters who have occupied Portland or parts of Seattle or other Uh, areas is that the planned and you just kind of brought this up the revolution so it's being compared to a color revolution the post-election chaos and mayhem and quasi-civil war that the democrats never trumpers several anti-trump billionaires like george soros i know we're not supposed to say his name anymore don't say it if you ever go on fox news by the way. Oh, yeah. We can't say it like Voldemort or something or, or worse. Um, yeah, that was crazy. So, I, I mean, I Barr gave a speech at Hillsdale and he just really kind of let it, you know, spoke very candidly. It was refreshing since I tend to agree with him on some of these things where, you know, he is urging the feds. To, to put federal charges on these people and charge them as severely as possible. And I think that that's important. I think people who live in these communities that are under assault, and there are many, many, many of them, uh, want to see this. There has to be, there's no deterrence for any of these um, insurgents or insurrectionists to stop doing it. Um, A good example of, when it works well is in, I think it was in Lancaster where they arrested these rioters and they posted bail at a million dollars. Right. Well, guess what stopped? Right. The riots. The riots stopped. Right. So. Well, that's, and uh, meanwhile in in Portland, the mayor there left, he fled, (laughs) he fled his own home because he couldn't, uh, handle the mayhem that he created. 
So it looks like Barr. So, but of course, these mayors now, the Seattle mayor, after Barr is talking about seditious behavior, um, you know, they're going to fight back on this. But look, headed into November 3rd, which we now know there's not going to be election night. It's going to be weeks, if not into January, based on this transition integrity project, a misnomer if there ever was one. So they have wargamed out this post-election scenario about how to make sure that Joe Biden takes the White House dead or alive, wins or loses. It doesn't matter. They're going to put him in the Oval Office propped up like weekend at Bernie's. And but I think that Barr is launching a warning shot right now and it would be helpful to charge even high level people with sedition to warn other people let's say the governor of Michigan which they war game this out in one of the simulations that she chooses not to send to the electoral college the actual electors based on her how her state voted but that she can make up her own electoral slate if Joe Biden loses Michigan and send that to the electoral college instead of what she is constitutionally required to do. So if Barr actually charges some of these higher level people, organizations, mayors, et cetera, with sedition, that could send a signal, they still will ignore it, that They're serious, and he will still be in charge of the Justice Department until noon on January 20th. And these people who go along with this transition integrity project or George Soros's plan or the Never Trumpers plans, whoever it is, that he will immediately charge them. Yeah, I think it's I like that. I think that I am not a lawyer, so I don't know if. It's legal or not. It might be. I mean, that's what the DOJ, I mean, that's what Bill Barr's job is to figure out. But I know that they were exploring filing charges against the Portland and Oregon officials. I mean, really, what do you do with federal officials that do not do their job and enforce the law? I mean, what do you do to that? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we've ever had this kind of circumstance before, right? So... But, I mean, the most incredible thing is to see what these people do, these prosecutors in um, and district attorneys in the Soros operatives, what how much they're willing to do with no regard for the cost to our country at large. What do you think would be the results of one of those? Was it Michigan you mentioned? If Michigan decided not to send the, ele- the proper electors to the Electoral College, what do you think would happen in publicly? What would the people do? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. You could try. People would protest. They would go to the streets. They would go to the state capitol, similarly to what they did with the lockdown orders. But then they would demonize those people. You which mean is the exactly, white supremacists would go? You mean just the white supremacists, Julie? Right. Of course. I'm sorry. Not not regular Americans infuriated that their rights are being trampled on every time they turn around by horrible people like Gretchen Whitmer. Um, but of course, the media would portray them. And this is what social media is already doing. They are already banning, flagging, censoring any kind of content that raises alarm about what's going to happen during and after the election. So 
will people on our side take to the streets? We've already seen some of that happen. Um, but then they're quite, they're immediately shut down and demonized to the point of being silenced. But is it going to matter? I mean, we we're always told, well, we'll take it to the ballot box, right? Like, isn't that the response? You don't like the job your mayor's doing. We're going to take it to the ballot box. And now it's like, no, we're not, you know, cause they control the ballot box. I, I, I don't know if people would be so t- timid, I guess. Well, unfortunately, the stay-at-home, the lockdowns were a very eye-opening for these Democrats and some Republican governors too, like Mike DeWine. This was very eye-opening. They saw how quickly people caved, how they would not fight back. They didn't use the legal system, say suing, you know, small business organizations or restaurant associations, retail organizations, immediately taking to court these governors and mayors who were crushing their livelihoods. They just kind of went along with it. A lot of them still are. We finally got some good news out of Pennsylvania where judge struck down Tom Wolf's, you know, punishing punitive unconstitutional lockdown orders. But this is six months later. So I, I think this was either, this could work both ways. That This was a good sign for Democratic politicians to see how easily they're the people that they rule will cave or that the people who caved realized what a huge mistake it was and next time meaning the election they are not going to capitulate so easily well well it's it's a special circumstance because the people just didn't cave on anything they caved because we were told that this is the most deadly you know, it's a deadly virus that will kill people. Um, If you think of the circumstances around the coronavirus lockdowns and the mandates and all this stuff coming off of the the visuals out of Italy, out of China, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people were scared. They, uh, you know, we, we look to our experts on things like medicine. When you go to a doctor and you say, I don't know what's going on. And they read your test results. You have to depend on them because they're experts and you're not. So we were told all of these things about how horrible this was. And so, yeah, people were willing to do that. So in, in a way, I think that that is kind of a special circumstance. I'm not sure if you could do the same thing on just some random issue, certainly not where uh, the election is, because the election is supposed to be that one special, that one way, you know, the pure way that's not, you know, where people go and register their political interests. And I'm not sure people would be as generous as they are with the lockdowns. And I also do think, you know, as I've been writing about Transition Integrity Project and the follow-up on Protect the Results, which is the group funded by the Soros-backed websites, which is really what they are, um, Omidyar, et cetera, those billionaires who hate Trump. When you talk about what's going to happen post-election, some people are very skeptical, like, oh, that's not, this is America. We have a constitution and I have a gun and none of this is going to happen. And I say, did you forget what happened between November 9th, 2016 and to January 20th, 2017? They tried, right, with the most powerful government agencies in the world, full complicity of the news media, 
to do everything that they could, make up this huge lie, scare the hell out of everyone in the country and the world that Donald Trump was a a Putin stooge. That's exactly what they did in 2016, 2017, and of course continued as Lee Smith calls the permanent coup. This is just a continuation of it, but this time it's out in the open. They're not even keeping their plans under wraps like in a FISA application or illegally leaking it to Devlin Barrett at the Washington Post. They have a whole document that tells exactly what they're planning to do. Um, so I guess it's to our benefit and hopefully the Justice Department and other entities that they've been tipped off that this is what they're planning. Well, you know, I know that they're deploying different groups around the country to, like, stop the MAGA violence. I just think it's so there's so much cognitive dissonance for me when I read things like when I see the mainstream media flipping out, and I know it's an information op, right? It's an information operation. There is no MAGA violence. There's no right-wing violence. All of the violence and serious violence is coming from the left, and it's been happening for, for four months, and it's there for everyone to see. There's no MAGA people doing that, and yet we're making, we're hearing all of these you know, heart wrenching. We've got to get ready for the crazy Trump people to start mm-hmm. killing or whatever they're going to do. It's like, why do you even what what makes you think that's going to happen? The, the, we're actually having violence from the other side of the spectrum. And what are we supposed to do about that? It's so fascinating. So I think it's very suspicious that they're deploying people or um you know, setting up their groups in areas where there's going to be, they think there's going to be MAGA violence. Um, well, that's, that's, that's the, that's the flawed pretext, right? It was, it is that Trump won't leave the Oval Office, even if Joe Biden wins, because he will declare that the election is, has been rigged against him and we're going to have to get the military and they're like going to have to strap on, you know, the cuffs and drag him out of the Oval Office. So, what And of course, this is the projection of the left. Whatever they're saying about the other side is what exactly what they're planning to do. So they've been planting these stories the last few months that Trump won't leave the White House, even if he loses to Joe Biden, while they're planning to install Joe Biden, even if Donald Trump legitimately wins, which is part of their plan. If Trump wins the Electoral College but loses the popular vote, they are going to instigate a nationwide unrest with up to four million people in the streets, this plan says. Um, They are going to call for a nationwide work stoppage until every vote is counted. They're going to include former Republican presidents like George W. Bush, who I'm sure would be happy to um, make sure that Trump doesn't you know, isn't officially reelected. So this is all part of their plan that they're seeding these unconstitutional measures. I mean, part of this, Liz, is having California, Washington and Oregon seed from the union in protest. OK, to, that's great. You know, fine and dandy. That's Bye. Win win. I mean, are they not Take aware? Ch- is it, why? Is, and take your chard. They're all burned up anyway. Your Get out. Who's sad to lose California? I mean, if we got rid of California alone, then Republicans would have total control of this country. Do you, you know, there's goes 55 electoral votes. You'll, they'll never win the, pre- you know, that's go, right. Go on. Look, See there are, 
they, they, you know, I'd give them six months and they'd come crawling back and then we could just take it over and fix it. You know, I mean, six months. Right. I, that, it, I didn't read their plan. It's on my to do list. And you, you mentioned I really should read it. Did they have a scenario where Trump wins? Or is it just uh, the only yes. scenarios that could possibly happen are all Biden wins and Trump refuses? No. So the one scenario that will cause the most trouble is Trump, again, what happened in 2016. And they lay this out in detail that he wins the Electoral College, loses the so-called popular vote, which they still can't get over from There's 2016. There's no such thing as a popular vote. Right. But OK. So in that case, they have all these different strategies to deploy, including having these Democratic governors in swing states send alternative uh, slate of electors to the Electoral College to vote against the way that their states did if Trump happened to win. So that was frightening on its own. Um, but they have this whole plan of how to, like I just said, the work stoppages, get faith leaders involved. Um, obviously, social media, big tech will happily go along with it. The only scenario where Biden loses, he makes demands before he officially concedes, include it that Trump and congressional Republicans will have to go along with, which would include eliminating the Electoral College, giving D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood. Um, there were a couple of other like a threat, like why I'll would, concede, but you're going to do this first. Why on earth would Trump do anything other than just whip his dick out and pee <laughs> on them? You know what I mean? Like, why would the, he go? OK, what? Why? I the, OK, but he's talking about getting some kind of agreement, some grand bargain he should from get congressional Republicans. I agree. But he's but they they even have a scenario where Mitt Romney, which, of course, is hilarious. But he swoops in as the guy who brings this grand compromise together, encourages his senators, his fellow Republican senators to go along with Biden's shakedown, constitutional, unconstitutional shakedown. And he's the guy who. OK, you know what? I'm going to. All right. Here's my I haven't read the report, so I just want to preface that. I've said it before. But let me tell you, this is bullshit. OK, mm -hmm. I don't think this is real. I think this is another information op. If this was legit, it would never have leaked. Ever. I think it's an information op to fuck people up, to get in Trump's head and to start right wing people going, oh, my God, they're going to do all this stuff. I mean, I really I don't for the first rule of op running ops operations. You don't leak your fucking plan. Why would you leak this if it were legitimate? Well, that's a good question, Liz. But and I would share your skepticism, except for the fact that it is backed by. Several billionaires who we already know are screwing with the election have been screwing with the, trying to get Trump out of office for four years. They are all in. You look at the social media companies, Mark Zuckerberg's interview where and his missive that he gave September 1 detailing all of the ways that they are going to ban and censor any information about mail-in voting, including after the election, they will refuse to, they will either censor or remove posts of any candidate who declares victory before it's official. Twitter is already tagging the president's tweets. They tagged another one today. 
Um, Google is going to mess with its search engines for people who are looking up information about voter fraud or the prolonged election. Or So I, I do – at first I was like, why would they make this public? This is silly. Like this – they, but they're also so desperate for media attention. We're talking about John Podesta, Bill Crystal, David Frum, all these people who their oxygen is likes on Twitter and getting hits on MSNBC. So are they so desperate for attention that they did something stupid and released this report? Yes, I do. I really think so. I don't I don't take this quite as seriously as other people, because if this was a serious plan, it would just never be leaked. But because these people are constantly flexing, remember all of the all of the promises we had up to 2016 about the thing and there's something's going to come out. And we we heard all of all these same people told lies to the New York Times and the Washington Post, which they eagerly printed. Oh, Trump is going to have Michael Flynn say that, or Mike Flynn's going to say that the he Trump told him to contact the Russians, or um, someone's going to, or Michael Cohen went to Prague to meet with Putin. They are, they will lot put lies into the public to generate buzz, and I think part of it is to is to facilitate the MAGA people. Um, snapping. I really do because they are sad that the MAGA people haven't snapped more. You know, they like to um, point to uh, what's his name. Uh, now I can't remember. Oh my God, I'm old. The the Kenosha kid um, who oh, defended Kyle his, Rittenhouse. Kyle right. Rittenhouse. They like to point to him and say, "Oh my God, you know, he took a gun to go kill people." Blah blah blah. When we know it was really self defense. But that's pretty much the only thing. The, right. All the other violence is is coming from the left, and I think they're really kind of sad that the MAGA people haven't snapped. You know, they think all these QAnon mouth breathers are just waiting for the bat signal to, you know, start, you know, hit the streets and kill people. And I and I think part of it is that that it's, you know, trying to stir up people so they snap and they can immediately point to it and go, oh my God, Trump's people, they're crazy, they're out of control, um, all that stuff. I still at the end of the you know, I'm not saying that they're not going to try and do stuff. I think they are going to try and do stuff. I certainly think they're going to try and do vote fraud. But on the other hand, I, I'm, I'm not sure how serious this plan is as a plan if they leaked it. Then there's no reason to leak it. If well, it's... I think there's a couple of different reasons. Just okay. and once you read it, and then you know Rosa Brooks, who is the Soros associate, who is the co-founder of Transition Integrity Project. So in her big piece in the Washington Post, there are a few goals. One is to seed this idea that Trump is not going to leave the White House even if he loses. So that's number one. Number two is this threat, and we keep this keeps repeating itself. The threat is in all of our simulations, unless Biden wins by a huge landslide, this is going to be the violence that will continue and increase, escalate throughout the country. It's the threat that we keep seeing the Biden campaign make. Biden has said it basically himself. The Democrats have said it that, look, here's the deal, America, as they joke, you know, it's a nice country if you can keep it. Make sure Biden wins by landslide. Otherwise, this is what we're going to do. So well, it's right. sort of but that. Then kind it's of not threat. a plan. It's 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 like 
it's a threat, you know, it's an an intimidation mechanism, which I'm, which I would absolutely agree with. And thinking that people are already on edge and concerned about the public safety issues with all these riots. And then you have this threat where it's like, look, you know, if you don't do this, well, I'm going to shoot the dog or whatever, you know, like that cover of, um, I almost said the national review, but I meant national lampoon. (laughs) Same thing. Same, Um, same difference. Uh, so, I, I do, I do think that I, I'm just very suspicious when somebody, you know, if I were making a strategic plan on how to handle, like, I, I don't know, maybe the, probably the right probably doesn't have anything because they're idiots, but no. if they did, they wouldn't be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, here's what we're going to do. Here it all is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's a scary right. time. It, 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 to be honest, um, it's, it makes me nervous. Um, you know, I live right near DC. Um, they're seizing right. the White House today, I guess, and for until the election. I'm not sure who what really what will happen. Yeah, they're starting to seize the White House thing today. Oh, oh nice. Oh, that's great. Well, Liz, but if you think so, read the plan. I'm curious, and this okay. is a good discussion to have because I do have people kind of pushing back on me as I'm reporting this at this saying what you're saying. So I'm interested once you look at the plan and see all the, you know, what you what you think of it because I do. I just take, don't take anything these people do at face value. They always have they always have surreptitious motives. Everything is put out there for a reason and it's for narrative framing you know but don't here let me ask you a question after yeah. watching Gretchen Whitmer after watching Tom Wolf after watching uh who's the governor of, I guess Minnesota wasn't as bad let's just you let's just say Gretchen Whitmer after watching her the past six months can you legitimately see her with the balls to defy her own constituents and send her own slate of electors to the Electoral College in December. I can, but didn't the Supreme Court just rule on that? Like, they can't do that? I don't know. Does that even matter to these people? I mean, well, then, then, they, just then they just throw then it they to don't the court have to, they, they can Look, she can send Ronald McDonald, you know? <laughs> They're not going to, you know what I mean? They're not, they don't have to recognize them. Be like, look, you're not the electors. Right. Um, the, because I do know the GOP has locked their electors down. So there's no one's going to switch at the last minute right. some Matlock moment. So I do know that they've done that. So, I mean, she can send Ronald McDonald and fucking whatever, the, the Chihuahua from Taco Bell. They're not going <laughs> to they won't recognize them. So. Right. And and. And if she did that, that would be the end of her political career in the state, I think. I mean, I think that's that's too far. Right. They, they they get their power by hiding what they're really doing. And right. you know, there's a lot of people that will be like, well, I'm a moderate Democrat. And I'm like, there's no such thing as a moderate Democrat anymore. You know, right. the, the days of like Daniel Patrick Moynihan and Tip O'Neill are they're long over. There's no moderate Democrat. So, you know, you're you're if you're a Democrat, you're like Ayanna Presley and AOC that and, you know, and Ilan Omar. That's 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 the Democrat Party. And so. Right. I think that in a state big like Minnesota, that isn't isn't like uh, California, you know, that no, I don't I don't think that she would stay in. I mean, not Minnesota, Michigan. I don't think that she would stay in office. I think it would really ruin the I mean, I think there would be horrible elect electoral consequences for the entire Democrat Party of the state. I could be wrong and I'm not, you know, um, 
but no, I but I, I, a lot of people share your view that this I don't, is I just don't not think legit. I, I don't. I look these people. They like you mentioned earlier. They are literally fortified by when they can go on a circle jerk on MSNBC and get Twitter Twitter retweets from you know their bot army of of people. That that's what they do. They're always trying to stay in the headlines. They're always trying to you know keep their resistance group up and energize. Um, and 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 but like I'll, I will I will read it. I totally should read it. Um, but I'm I'm suspicious of everything that they do. I don't think anything they do is like is what it what it purports appears to be. To be right. Yeah. 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 I see your point. Um. So here at, before we wrap up, we've got how many eight weeks, seven weeks really till Election Day. If you were had Donald Trump's ear, what would you advise now headed into the the heat of the 2020 presidential campaign? What do you think um, he's doing right? What is he doing wrong? Um, I think <clears throat> I think it's important for him to really emphasize the law and order message because that really is people are very worried about that. That's a great message for us it's a bad message for the left who can't come out and condemn it and can't control it i mean you know trump can say to biden well why don't you stop it if you can just stop it right now just snap your fingers and make it stop if you know if <clears throat> if you want people to think that if you're elected it'll stop stop it right now right um <clears throat> that would be quite a campaign trip so i think i would tell him to keep um hounding on the public the public safety. And I think he would, I think he should, you know, <clears throat> talk about the virus. And I think they need to do a good job of framing, um, you know, the developments. We know that there's a lot of trickery with the numbers. They're misrepresented. You know, there's 200,000 people dead, but you know, how does that stack up? Look at Sweden's doing great. You know, they went the herd. Right. What is, what did he say? Herd mentality. <laughs> they went the herd mentality route. Um, <laughs> But, but I think the number one thing that he should um, could do is talk about public safety. And the second thing is that we are recovering economically faster than projected. And, you know, Biden was asked about that in his fake press conference when, you know, Biden was camera was in all caps, his teleprompter telling him to yell about how bad the economy is. And one of the reporters said, well, you know, the numbers that came out today are better than way better right. than expected. So I think those two things are important to keep hounding them. What about you? What do you think? Um, I think that, uh, well, I think his rallies are really important, obviously, keeping that up and ignoring the, the mask shamers, et cetera. I think where the Trump campaign is falling short is tagging all, uh, Joe Biden with his 20 years of failed foreign policy. Yeah. This has been... Yeah. This is the crown jewel of Joe Biden's alleged career, right? That's why um, Barack Obama appointed or nominated him for vice president based on his foreign policy chops, because, of course, Obama didn't have that. So but now that Trump is bringing peace to the Middle East and he he said this on Wednesday, there's so much blood in the sand in the Middle East. It didn't have to be that way. Well, who has his fingerprints on every failed war in the Middle East for the past two decades? Joe Biden. He was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He signed off on the Afghanistan war. He signed off on Iraq. He signed off on other 
he and Obama on other conflicts in the Middle East, what happened in Syria, what's happened throughout that region can all be tagged, not to mention empowering Iran or attempting to, can all be tagged back to Joe Biden. So if Joe Biden wants to accuse the president of being a killer because of 200,000 alleged COVID deaths, the Trump campaign needs to hit back harder on Joe Biden's culpability, deadly culpability for what happened, not just cost American lives and trillions of dollars, but what that did to destabilize the Middle East, killing millions of people over the past 20, 25 years. I think that that, if I could talk to the Trump campaign, I, I post this on Twitter, not that they're paying attention, but I think that they need to push harder on that. That's a really good. <clears throat> that's a really good point, especially because they've been denigrating the this middle this uh, agreement between um, Bahrain and the UAE, and there's more countries to sign on to it. I'm sure you've seen that clip circulating of Kerry saying how there'll never be any peace or agreement ever unless it goes through the Palestinians, and Trump just made an end run about it. And if that says so much about our, um, you know, interagency consensus. Um, that has governed our foreign policy, of which Biden Biden was a huge part of it. And if it was so easy to do it, then why didn't they do it? Well, and plus Biden, again, so contempt, contemptibly repeating the bogus allegations in the Atlantic article from the four unnamed sources, even though it's been debunked all over the place by people who are actually there. Done, you know, repeating those lies about what Trump said about wounded and dead soldiers. Okay, and then he Biden also told this weird story that was horrifying during one of his riffs about um, a veteran who was suffering from PTSD who ran over a woman and her dog and then picked her up. It was so bizarre, and some veterans really fought back on social media saying that was out of bounds. But when Joe Biden talks about wounded veterans, or he talks about dead soldiers. For, yeah, he has no place. <laughs> you, you are responsible for that. You are the one responsible for tens of thousands of wounded soldiers, not just physically wounded, hundreds of thousands now suffering from PTSD. PTSD. If he's talking about, and then he was talking about the Veterans Administration, we need to make this work better. That place was an inhumane disaster under the Obama Biden administration. Do you remember when they found some corpse in a shower? It had been there for like a week. Remember that? It's horrifying stuff. It's terrible. It's terrible. And you, you, that's a great point. And, and I'm sure that this will come up in the, in a debate and that would be a great comeback for Trump is to just right. say, you know, however many people died during coronavirus, how many people did you die? You know, when you were sending our troops to war all over the planet Right, because Biden pulls out this little, I have a list every day, updated fatalities uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's, you know, 4,000, blah, blah, blah. And he reads off the names like it, number like it matters. Well, okay, you did that though. So it's nice that you're using this as a prop, but you need to apologize then for what you've done to millions of military families in the United States over the past 20 years for your failed wars that have cost us trillions of dollars with nothing in return. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Why don't they hire us? Hello, anyone listening? Oh, that would be We're crazy, available. <laughs> I don't think I, I wouldn't want that job. I would not want to work on the presidential campaign. 
It's no. it's hard. You know, you've done campaign. I've worked. I'm like, oh, no, I, I, it's much easier for me to just lob spitballs from the sidelines and once a week talk to you, although we talk all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> But just put it on, put it out there for everyone to listen to. Um, so that's that's our that's our hour. That's our happy hour. That's so our happy, happy. Hour. I think it's happier than some of the past shows where it's kind of like bitchy hour, sad hour. Um, yes. Doomsday hour. Doomsday hour. So we'll see you next Friday. We'll be back here talking about the news of the day. See you then. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.